This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league, starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Whether packing for a destination vacation or planning a staycation, Macy's has everything you need. Summer's almost here, and I'm so excited to take a trip with Bryn. We are planning it right now. We are heading to Macy's before we pack to grab new shoes we can wear all day with anything. I'm excited to lay in the sun with key pieces from Macy's, like my new Dolce Vita sandals and Levi's skirt. I am ready to relax and look and feel amazing. Oh, how good that sounds. Of course, I can't forget a new beach bag. I have been eyeing the collection of beach bags from Macy's, and I can't wait for you to see what I choose. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. Imagine the feeling of pulsing electric shocks. Sounds like a nightmare, right? While individual experiences may vary, it's how some people describe shingles. This painful blistering rash could interrupt your life for weeks. It could even force you to cancel social events or weekend plans. Over 99% of adults 50 years or older already carry the virus that causes shingles. One in three people will get it in their lifetime. Why wait? Ask your doctor or pharmacist about shingles today. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. There's been a lot of gossip and scandal and press and discussion about the housewives and my coming back and my leaving and I think I'm better than everybody and I should never come back because it's a train wreck and the New York show is falling into the ocean and that I should come back because it would make people happy and, you know, all of this. So I am just going to address it in the next couple of episodes on this podcast because this is the only place I can truly have my voice and just say what I really feel that's not a soundbite or a 140 character tweet. This is just a place that I am speaking honestly and not being edited, filtered, and jammed into a pull quote. So here we go. I want to talk about my trajectory from the beginning of The Housewives to now. This is something that is a question I get so often. Are you coming back to The Housewives? Will you save The Housewives? Can you save The Housewives? The Housewives is falling into the Hudson River and so desperately needs you. Now, that is so flattering because to leave something and have it not be doing well in a, in a progressive way. Years ago, I left and the ratings declined significantly, really, really significantly. And I came back and the ratings increased. And the second time I left, the ratings declined significantly again. If it continued to do, to do so, certainly that's not 
that's not on my shoulders alone, but that doesn't often happen. Usually everyone just sort of goes on without you and you're not really missed. Um, so that's really flattering and I really don't deserve all of that uh, praise because there are many things that go into making a television show and its success. But nevertheless, still years after leaving for the second time, having people reach out all the time, I mean, daily, saying, are you coming back? Please come back. We need you back. And everyone having an opinion on that has uh, has benefits and drawbacks. So I could literally say hi on Twitter, just come out and say hi. And then people will say, she's coming back. <laughs> this is your announcement that you're coming back, which is so funny. And like I said, I can't say enough. It's so flattering. Um, I left twice. I was first on for three seasons, which, you know, these – Housewives have been going on for some some of the shows, 11 and 12 seasons. So I left, for, I was only on for three seasons. And then I left for three seasons, which is substantial. And it was a similar thing. Will you come back? We need you to come back. The Housewives needs you back. Um, and that you're the Carrie Bradshaw of the Housewives. And I came back um, and I'm going to get into that and I'm going to get into the, the money of it and what happened there. And then I came back, I think, for four seasons, maybe. I don't think it was five. I think it was four. And now I've been gone for two. So it's always amazing to me how fresh it is, as if I left yesterday and that people are still asking the question. If someone uh, messages me, oh, you're my favorite housewife. You're, I, you, oh, my God, I love your show. And I know that they're talking about the housewives. They're not talking about my Bethany talk show. They're not talking about my uh, The Big Shot with Bethany, which um, is a show that I did to find... Uh, an employee on HBO Max uh, that wasn't done to do for the rest of my life that I wanted to create the new apprentice and every season be finding more staff because I don't frankly need more staff. People came, the, HBO said people came to see me. It didn't matter if I was hiring people. They just wanted to sort of see me. And uh, in looking at that, I think people like seeing me, but they like seeing me w with the housewives. They like me seeing me with a, a group of peers similar age group, uh, not even necessarily similar city, but they like the running commentary of me around the Housewives. So when I joined the Housewives, I don't rem remember what year it was. It was a long time ago. It was probably 12 to 15 years ago. I'm terrible at dates. So when I first agreed to do the Housewives, um, I was living in a tiny apartment, mostly furnished by Ikea, if not all furnished by Ikea. I had $8,000 to my name and my bank account. I had uh, maybe some credit card debt. I think I learned years ago to consolidate all that. So I didn't have any debt. I've never had debt. But I would sell items that uh, I had gotten in previous lives as gifts to, to work. I used to be a natural food chef. Uh, I went to culinary school. And I would cook for people, healthy meals delivered to their homes. I worked for Dennis Leary in a trailer on the set of Rescue Me, um, I was hustling. I was trying to just pay my rent. So I had a boyfriend and we were at Polo in the Hamptons, not the store, the, the, the sporting event, which is a thing that is sort of like a social event and people go there and want to schmooze. And uh, I guess it's probably a lot of younger people and I was way younger then, but I went to promote Bethany Bakes, my wheat, egg, and dairy-free cookie company. I was a natural food chef. And I remember that was the day of Super Saturday, an event that I uh, that I think Kelly Ripa hosts, and I didn't know her then. And it's like a big sort of shopping event. And I think people pay $500. Donna Karen's event for, uh, I think it's 
it's either it's breast cancer, I think it's breast cancer or ovarian cancer, but it's a female uh, hosted event in the Hamptons. And I used to beg to go. I used to beg to go find a way to get invited. And then you left and they had this massive gift bag that was definitely worth more than the $500 that people were able to pay. And you went there and they sold all these events, sold all these clothes at a discount. And in the beginning, it used to be so amazing. And you get these crazy deals. And I remember I still have a dress in my closet that was BCBG. That was $50. And it looks like a gown. And it looks like it was like $1,000. So that day, I somehow managed to get myself in there. I think my friend had a booth. And I went there to do the same thing, to give my business card out. I am a natural food chef. I have a cook, Bethany Bakes. I mean, I would try to get celebrities to eat the cookies. I remember I used to try to place that I cooked for Mariska Hargitay a couple of times on, on the set of Law and & Order. And that I used to nanny Paris and, and Nikki. And I was trying to be something. And I was trying to be successful. And I was older. Remember, I was in my mid to late 30s. This is when many people that we know already are on the road. So I remember that day I drank champagne. It was during the day and then I had a terrible headache and I didn't want to go to polo that afternoon. And my boyfriend at the time said, go, you'll give out your cookies. I had my Bethany Bakes business cards and he said, we sh you should go, we'll go. So we went together and I ran into Jill Zarin, who I had met. I met Jill because I was at a movie premiere in the city and she came up to me and said, you were on that show, The Apprentice. And you could tell Jill liked that. She liked the sizzle and she said, you were on that show, The Apprentice. I'm doing a show. It's about moms getting their kids into schools. And it's called Manhattan Moms. And I was barely listening to her and I wanted to get a show on the Food Network. It's all I wanted was to get a show on the Food Network. And um, she was nice and I... Cut to me at the Hamptons that day. I was wearing my juicy shorts, terry cloth hooded short sleeve, puffy sleeve romper to polo. And I had my cookies and my cards. I remember Lant Bass was there. I remember he was wearing a great scent and I asked him what it was and it was Kiel's Musk. And I don't know how I knew him, but he, or maybe I didn't know him. He was super nice to me. This is how I used to connect. I used to just talk to people. Um... I, years ago, used to go to Sundance, the film festival, because I went once with a friend, a, a boy, I was a man I was dating, and finagled my way into hosting Chef Dance, this event where each night a different chef cooks for people, and I was the one who used to call and book the chefs and take pictures with the chefs, and, you know, I hustled everything, and I hustled everyone I knew, and I sent them my cookies the minute after I met them. To this day... When I connect with someone, I send them skinny girl stuff afterwards. Like these things are just practices. So I ran into Lance Bass. I'm sure I took his information if he would give it to me. I'm sure I told him who I was. I, there was no social media then. There were no podcasts then. I didn't have a publicist then. I'm sure I tried to send him cookies. Maybe I did. I don't remember. But I don't know how I got into the VIP tent. And I think they probably gave out a gift bag. And I remember like it was yesterday, Jill Zarin walking up to me and going, hey, you skinny bitch. Because years before, there had been a book called Skinny Bitch. That was, that, that was the first person to use the word skinny, but not in any product. She just had a book, and she never made it into a brand. Um, that's a digression, because all the skinny lattes, skinny pizza, skinny anything started with the Skinny Girl Margarita. All the low-calorie cocktails, all those canned drinks, they all started with the Skinny Girl Margarita. So, Jill Zarin says, hey, skinny bitch. What are you doing? How'd you get into the VIP tent? Because she loves a gift bag. She actually had a business for gift bags. So she wanted to know how I got into the VIP tent, how I got the bracelet. Except, except for being, you know, wealthy and living on the Upper East Side, she was a nobody also. We both, she wouldn't be able to get into a VIP tent 
any more than I would accept that she was a hustler, just like I am. You know, Jill will get herself into anywhere she wants to get herself into. Um, so she said, we're shooting the show Manhattan Moms. I remember she had talked to about it, me about it. And she said, um, they're looking for a fifth wife. What I did not realize was that Bravo said there had to be five women for Manhattan Moms. They had already chosen four. I didn't know anything about this. They needed the fifth wife, the fifth mom. No, it had to be a wife and a mom. Mom, really. The production company, Ricochet at the time, which is now Shed, didn't care. They had the four. They had already started filming, but they weren't going to do the show. It was the first one because, remember, Orange County, Real Housewives of Orange County was on, but this was not a Real Housewives show. This was just another show on the, about women. So Jill said to one of the producers, Kira, come out to the Hamptons. I'll help you find another housewife. So they were on the hunt. They went in, I think, Bobby's Rolls Royce. They went to Polo. That's a place to meet people. Everybody in the Hamptons is going to be there. So I don't know of the vortex I'm walking into, but I'm there. And Jill says, like, what about the VIP bags? And also, I'm here with one of the producers. So I didn't really talk to Jill about it. That was really the end of it. She made Bobby, not made, but she told Bobby to talk to me. So Bobby spoke to myself and Jason, the guy I was with. He thought it was really interesting for me. It was somebody wanted to do something with me. I was broke. I was trying to get somewhere and do something. God knows what it was. And Bobby and the producer were talking to me. And then really Jason, I walked away. I wasn't taking it seriously. I wanted to be on the Food Network. I didn't want to be on another reality show. I had been on The Apprentice. It wasn't a big success. The one with Martha Stewart. And I didn't want to do this. Not because I'm better than, because you can't be on two reality shows in a row at that time. That's what we're talking about, the dark ages. No one would, an actor would never be on a reality show and you would not be on two in a row. But Bobby kept talking to Jason and then Bobby walked away and then Jason was talking to Kira, the producer. And he said he worked at a private equity fund or a hedge fund and, you know, talked about me, et cetera. And it was called Manhattan Moms, about moms getting their kids into school. And I was thinking what the hell do they want me for? I don't even, we're not even married or engaged and I, we're not, I'm not even sure we're going to make, make it. Then we got home and the woman, Kira, was calling me. And Jason did not, the guy I was with did not want to do this. He didn't want to be on television. He was just sort of selling me. He didn't even know what he was selling. It just seemed like a good opportunity. So she kept calling me and wanted to put me on tape. And I promise you, and I would tell you, I wanted The Apprentice more than I ever wanted anything in my life. I didn't really want to do this. I didn't really understand it. At all. It was, I didn't, I wanted to be on the Food Network. I was already having conversations and going to meetings. I wanted to do like Survivor meets a cooking show. I just wanted to be cooking. That's all I wanted to do. So hence the natural food cookies. Hence I was a natural food chef long before it was cool. Years ago, this is in like right after 9-11, I was making wheat, egg, and dairy-free, you know, gluten-free, celiac cookie. Think about that. Think about like that now. That's so current. So... The woman asks me if she can come just get me on tape. It's not binding. She just wants to get me on tape. She comes to my crappy kitchen. I'm making cookies. She's following my life just for like a half a day. I don't understand the process, so I'm not even sure what this all means. Like these shows didn't exist. So now she wants me to do it. I said, my guy won't do it. He doesn't want to do it. I don't know if I want to do it. I say no. I turn it down. I take a month. I think about it. And I remember thinking about Rocco Despirito's show, The Restaurant, long before its time, thinking about the Gastineau Girls long before its time. There's all these shows would have done well now. Um, and I thought, God, I don't know if I want to be a train wreck and it to be a disaster and fail. But then I thought it's not that easy to get on television. And if it does well, every, it'll be a success. And if it doesn't do well, no one's even going to know about it.
there. Did you know that May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is celebrating by highlighting some cool AAPI-owned brands like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Maeve. I mean, I love that a big brand like Macy's is supporting Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. It's important. But you know what? The best reason to check out these brands is that they're just really awesome. Seriously, you need to check them out. And you know what else? You have a great opportunity to open up access to college for AAPI students and help them succeed by donating to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. You can donate online or just round up your purchase at Macy's when you check out. So do what you can to help. Join Macy's and round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA scholars. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league, starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. Love this. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. So everybody that I know tells me not to do it. All my agents at William Morris, which was not Endeavor yet, I don't think, tell me not to do it. Everyone tells me not to do it. Um, I say to myself, I have nothing going on. I call back a month later. They've already been filming. I call the woman, Kira, and she's like, let's go. That's when I went over to Jill Zarin's house, I believe. I don't know. It wasn't Jill Zarin's house. One of their friend's houses, maybe Ramona, their friend, Missy Lubliner, 
to watch that tennis match. And for anybody who used to watch, it was me watching this tennis match and these crazy people and just my reactions. And I certainly think, didn't think I did anything. It wasn't like I did anything. I just sort of watched some people and reacted. I wasn't saying anything. I didn't really do much. And I went to, an- I went to Jill's house, I think. And lo and behold, they wanted me. But for this thing that I didn't even understand, I hadn't even met everybody, really understand there was no social media. I, my contract said $7,250. We started filming without my contract being signed for a while. I didn't even know if I was definitely doing this. I was sort of playing around filming, almost like the way a friend does, I guess, now. And I went with my agent, Evo Fisher, William Morris, into Bravo to pitch them one of these food shows. And the woman said to us, I forgot her name, I know her well. The woman that we pitched said, excuse me, aren't you shooting a show right now for us? And I said, well, yeah, but we haven't done the contract. That was like, that set a precedent. They never after that let people start filming without a contract because they were reliant upon me. I had already started filming the show, but I hadn't had a contract yet. And they were like, this this girl is pitching us another show when we're... We want her on that show. And I didn't realize like that they thought I was valuable, that I was that fifth wife, that I was that question mark character they had been looking for. They had been looking for a fifth mom, wife that was rich, that was on the Upper East Side. Not until they met me did they realize, oh, we want this. We want someone different. And they called it, you know, the question mark character. What is going to happen with her? Someone to root for. She's not rich like these other women. She's not buying diamonds and getting facials. This other person that's different living in this, you know, I don't want to say shitty apartment, but, you know, not luxury apartment with Ikea. So also keep in mind, we didn't know what this was. This was Manhattan Moms. We're filming a show called Manhattan Moms. I'm doing interviews in no makeup. I don't know how to do my own makeup. The way that I used to get my makeup done then was I would go to the Bloomingdale's counter and sit down and buy the the obligatory lip gloss with my dog Cookie in my lap. So the girl, Veronica, at the Trish McAvoy counter would do it. I'd be like, how many, do I'll either give you the money and tip you the $20, $30 or I'll buy the lip glosses. What, what do I have to do? That's what my idea of getting my makeup done was. Um, the, the, the idea of paying hundreds of dollars in your home and not getting any makeup for it, like, was crazy. That was preposterous. That was like a waste of money. It's crazy how I live my life now and think this is normal. But you would spend a couple hundred dollars to get your makeup done. So I would sit in my cable knit, pre-owned Ralph Lauren turquoise sweater and do the interviews. I didn't know what I was on. We didn't know what we were on. I remember telling this publicist, Claire Mercury, this is going to be, there was a word I said. I said, this is going to be like groundbreaking or a phenomenon or something. And she was like, it's not a phenomenon. Like I, you know, I, Ramona thought it was going to get a million viewers. She thought it was a phenomenon. We did not know we were in the second installment of Real Housewives of Orange County. We were on a show called Manhattan Moms. Not until we shot some press and we saw it at the top. We didn't want to be associated with that first Real Housewives show. That wasn't like, that wasn't what the girls wanted. The girls wanted it to seem socialite in New York City and that show didn't seem that way. There was no press on that show really. There wasn't really press then. Things like this didn't get press. It wasn't like that. Jessica Simpson had gotten press for, you know, chicken of the sea and saying, it, 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 I forgot the tuna that she thought it was chicken in a can. I don't remember what it was, some, some, something. But like, we didn't know anything about anything. So I'm now shooting this show. Bravo's freaking out that I didn't sign my contract. I'm not aware that they think I'm great and want me to do this. And the game starts moving, but we don't know what we're doing. We'd never seen this before. I don't know what it means when I'm sitting down having a conversation and they want me to talk to the guy I'm dating about if he wants to move in together. I don't know that that, like, they have a whiteboard somewhere where they know that they have to get that storyline. I just, I'm a person. I went on and we, Jason and I decided that that was a different Jason. This was Jason season one. 
that I was going to be a natural food chef and the only thing that I was going to do was cook on television and show that I was a natural food chef. That's all that I was going to do. Well, I quickly started to realize as we started that that wasn't going to be all that interesting and that like this, whatever this audience was that I wanted to attract, that I had to give them all of me, that I couldn't be like the scam that only showed part of me. I had to show who I was. So here I am saying, do you want to move in together? And because he didn't want to be on camera, and this was the most crazy concept of his life. And he, he was afraid he was going to get fired. And, you know, it was unheard of that a husband would be on these shows, like, and risk whatever they were doing. And so he said, let's talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. And I'm like, okay, but you don't want to talk about it now. I'm sweating because I know there's a camera there. And that's not how he really feels. He wants to live together. But there's cameras on his face. So he's like, we'll talk about it later. But I'm aware that the audience is going to think I'm some loser that this guy wants to beg this guy to live with me. And we'll talk about it later. And I, you know, but I went for it with all of it. Meaning like I just was giving it all. I said to my friend, I remember saying, I'm doing this. Let's go all the way. We had a breakup. I went down to Florida. My friend told me I was 37 and my eggs were rotting. And I was a natural food chef thinking, uh, Jesus, I don't want rotten eggs. And, and this was all on television. And I didn't know what we were even doing. So when it aired, New York Magazine wrote an article about us being socialites. And I remember thinking... I'm not a socialite and neither are any of these clowns I'm surrounded. We're not socialites. This is like, I know enough. I've read a magazine. I've, I've looked at the cover of W Magazine or heard about like all these other people. I can't stand socialites, okay? Like I never could. Literally to want to be known for putting your name on a 10% off invitation at some clothing store, pretending that's doing charity, to want to wear a different ball gown every night, to put your name on these invitations that there's the top committee, the subcommittee, the chair committee, the table committee, the buy a whole table, buy a portion of a table, buy a chair. I mean, and then have this rubber chicken dinner and pay some celebrity and all this bullshit and then be famous for that and be like just known for what you wear every day. I, I didn't understand it. It could not have been further for my life. Like my Ikea apartment didn't really have much bandwidth for socialites. It's so stupid. It, I just still think it's so stupid. So I would rather be the clowns that we were than be the socialites we were being portrayed as. But for the rest of the country, they thought we were socialites. What the hell do they know? And maybe we all were more socialites than the losers who just want their their rich heirs and their names, you know, they happen to be rich heirs and they're known for the 10% off events in Southampton. What this means, people, is that they, people say like, oh, you know, come for charity and 10% of the proceeds will go to the charity. Sit home on your ass, eating Pop-Tarts, write a check and keep it moving or go straight to the place and give them the money. But this, I hate this shit. This is like, main and main of what I hate. It would be all those little pictures and all those glossy magazines where you just wanted to see your name. And don't get it twisted. Years ago, I, want, I didn't want to be a socialite, but I wanted to be someone. I wanted my name and my picture in Hamptons Magazine because it meant I was somebody. But that's what these people do for a living. Just their whole life is being in those little squares with their names underneath at different events showing that they're somebody. It's a, for a bunch of losers. So New York Magazine is saying we're socialites. I'm like, oh my God, that's going to piss off the real socialites, which it did because some of them who happen to be legitimate, meaning their families are very successful and they um, have careers and jobs and whether they like it or not, they are the real socialites. They were going crazy. They're watching this and like, oh, they can't believe that that's what's being portrayed as New York. So this was polarizing, which is my middle name. So that was okay. But I'm reading this article. I'm like, wait, this is real. New York Magazine is writing about it. Once we saw the press, the first time we took the picture and saw the name, 
Real Housewives, like I said, we were annoyed. We, we didn't want to be the second of something. We didn't think that was a good idea. And I'm a marketer, and I didn't think it was a good idea. I didn't understand what they understood. And they were trying to build a franchise. So there was no leaking to the press. We didn't know what the press was. We, we, we like, were just starting to meet. We'd get invited to OK Magazine parties. And, you know, people would send us some stuff, like very little. You know, we, didn't, we weren't even really famous yet. You'd go into a restaurant and be like, is someone going to recognize me? Is someone going to recognize me? I mean, it was all like just starting. Um, and it was very New York-based and very like New York publicist-based. Um, but it was so f- refreshing and interesting. It was so real. I was coming from The Apprentice where you never knew there was a camera near you. You never talked to the crew. You didn't talk to production. You didn't talk you know, to ever your own producer. It wasn't like that. You were, they were just flies on the wall capturing everything. So I remember in the beginning shooting a scene at Nello and getting annoyed at the other castmates thinking I was some authority because I had been on reality television saying, no, just like, because I wanted people just to be real, just to talk. Don't talk to the producers. That just seemed preposterous to me, right? And also the reason that Bravo didn't want me on, Andy Cohen didn't want me on was because I was already on a reality show. So I had some slight and basically no awareness. Like I was nobody. But to him, that was you had a pre-existing profile, meaning they wanted it to be real. They wanted it to be real people in New York that are not famous, that didn't have a pre-existing profile. They would never have wanted all the Beverly Hills actresses. That's why Lisa Rinna didn't get on for years. Andy used to say to me, no, and he didn't, he wasn't interested in her. And I used to say she'd be great. They didn't, they didn't want, um, but I know Kyle was originally an actress, but she hadn't acted in a long time. And they originally wanted her and the sisters, but that changed after a couple of, of the, my show, then, then Atlanta. It increasingly became about a, a pre-existing profile because, again, there was no social media. So now restaurants hire waitresses and bartenders based on Instagram followers. So, of course, to hire an actress that has a built-in social media following is going to help the show. But when I was on, it was so authentic in that we were just all people, like, talking and judging and the biggest thing that would ever happen was that Kelly Bensimo would say, I'm up here, you're down here now. That would never be the biggest thing that would happen now. That was a major thing then. That was like top, that was top of the heap, like one of Andy's most iconic, most favorite chilling scenes because of how, you know, less was more was the intensity and the audacity to say something like that. Now people are throwing artificial legs, ripping weaves, and, you know, probably driving their car into your window for ratings. It just was not the same story. So it had an authenticity and a freshness. And to be perfectly honest, the arguments with Jill and Ramona and with Jill and Simon and all that, it was train wreckish and it was a disaster, but it was authentic. There was something authentic about it. Even though I didn't like what the show became and I watched it happen after the first couple of seasons, I enjoyed being part of it because it was so much satire. And at that point, I didn't know the show that I was in. I was just being me with a camera on me because there was no comp. OC was not a comp and I didn't even know OC because I didn't know I was shooting a season of the next iteration of OC. I thought I was shooting some, some show and I don't watch TV. So it was so fresh. And Andy will definitely reinforce this concept. And he used to say that I was the Greek chorus. I was the narrator of the show. I was the one telling the people in the audience what the Hamptons is like. You know what I mean? I was sitting in that chair in my no-makeup, cable-knit, pre-owned sweater saying what the Hamptons was. I'm like, it's where everybody 
packs like they're leaving to Antarctica for six months and packs every piece of shit that they have in their car, goes to see all the same people they see in New York City, arrives to the Hamptons and does the same exact thing they fucking do in New York City, but by the beach. Like just narrating it. Okay. So the show is, I guess, a success. And I remember Jill Zarin and not knowing what to do about the money. I had agreed to $7,250 for the whole season. Ramona once corrected me and said that that was for 12 episodes. If we did more episodes, it was more. But it was pennies. But I said, except you can't take any of my business ever. Don't know why I was so smart to say that. Don't know why I crossed that out. I do not know anything about contracts. I just did that, which is the preamble to what ended up happening with the skinny girl, Margarita, and it being infuriating to the network and created what is now called the Bethany Clause, where anybody on television working in that capacity has to give a percentage to the network. The talent will all say that they don't pay that. It's not true. They all do. Bravo's confirmed it. E's confirmed it. Every agent knows it's the Bethany Clause. It just is what it is. Okay. Hey there. Did you know that May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is celebrating by highlighting some cool AAPI-owned brands like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Maeve. I mean, I love that a big brand like Macy's is supporting Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. It's important. But you know what? The best reason to check out these brands is that they're just really awesome. Seriously, you need to check them out. And you know what else? You have a great opportunity to open up access to college for AAPI students and help them succeed by donating to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. You can donate online or just round up your purchase at Macy's when you check out. So do what you can to help. Join Macy's and round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA scholars. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league, starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. Love this. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. So we're on this show. We don't know what we're on. We don't know what's happening. It had an authenticity to it. Starts to come season two and three. People are getting a little bit hip to the jive. There's a little bit of connection to the media. We sort of know, you know, the press. People understand that they can call page six. People understand that you can sort of leak something and rat somebody else out. And that's when it sort of started. It was the biggest deal in the world to everybody that Alex McCord had nude pictures somewhere that would literally be like someone having spinach in their teeth now. Um, it was, you know, Alex and Simon were totally unique in that they were from Brooklyn and that was like a foreign country to all of us. Um, sec- and then it's, sec- it started, what starts to happen is if one person gets something, um, other people, let's say one person gets sent something for free, the other women then, you know, call that company directly and say, I know you sent that person something, can you send me something? One person gets something on TV, I got, I got to co-host the Today Show and I got there and they said, your castmates called up here saying, why not me? We're much better than her. Like the competition started. You really have to keep your cards close to the vest because now you know that the other women are starting to get jealous of things that you're getting and not getting. And now it starts to get ugly. Now it's not fresh. Now it's not what it was. I was the first housewife on Twitter because one of my assistants told me that I should be on Twitter. That was the first thing, but still it wasn't used for what it's used for today. It wasn't like a way to just trash each other. That came way later. Like we were pioneers in the beginning of this genre of what was going on. And it was fresh and unique. After a couple of seasons, three seasons, it got a little toxic. It got where you're bringing things into the show intentionally to gotcha, to catch someone. Keep in mind, also, this is pre-Watch What Happens Live. Watch What Happens Live is a place where the intention of the show is to gotcha. And to bring housewives on and to ask polls of the audience about who's a piece of shit and who's not. The questions can be, did you believe that, you know, Teresa Giudice really had a snakeskin top before, you know, Dina Manzo? Or did you not like that question really means whose side are you on? You know, someone's always winning and someone's always losing. So as this thing went on, after a couple of seasons, you start to realize, oh, this is Hunger Games. This is Game of Thrones. I'm supposed to rat anybody else out about anything I know about them. And they're doing the same thing at all times. So there's always somebody winning and always somebody losing. That's when it starts to be, wow, do I want to be a part of this? You know, I'm not better than this, but this is going to be a totally different kind of ride. You know, season two, season three, Jill Zarin wisely said to me, what do I do? How do I have a product? How do you know what you want to do? How do I market something? And I'm like, it has to be authentic to you. Make it be something to do with your fabrics or your pillows. But I was the first person overall. I think Jonathan Anton on a show called Blowout might have had products. I don't know. If, I don't think Rachel Zoe had a book back then. She might have had one book. I was the first person on reality television to monetize it in that way. The first person to showcase that, including the Kardashians, to showcase that medium as a commercial, because I started that whole thing, like really on that level. After my Skinny Girl deal 
Kim Kardashian did a Midori deal when when um, she turned down my skinny girl partner uh, for $50,000 to do a Coca Loco rum years prior to Midori because she didn't drink. Everybody got hip to, hip to it when I did it. But after I did it. So I was using this as a platform. I was the first one. That is a fact. But Jill Zarin was smart enough to ask me how to do it. The other girls started watching and wanting to do it also, which is also very smart. You know, I paved that way. And most people, you know, that have been around that long know that. Bravo knows that. But, you know, Jill said to me, I'll do whatever you do. I'll trust you to negotiate for me. And we went from the first season to a lot more money, like literally a lot more money to the second season. Same thing to the third season. Like, I got us a lot more money than anybody else on our show. You know, then we all were feeling feeling it when Jersey was coming and Atlanta was coming. And I remember Jill thinking that wasn't, you know, we were socialites from New York and they might wouldn't represent what the Housewives really is about, that Atlanta wouldn't, that Jersey wouldn't, because it's Jersey. And, you know, there was a, there's always been a lot of talk of things like that, Right. So I decided to leave after the third season when it got what I felt to be ugly, when it got to be gotcha. And this is still before, I believe, I'm fairly positive, before Watch What Happens Live. So when I left, I really left. I did not want to go back. You can't forget where you came from, so I'm definitely going to talk about it. That's uh, just the tip of the iceberg of what I have to say about this topic, so... More the next time for sure. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like you feel like you've really gone somewhere far and you don't need a passport, which honestly I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.